You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center. This is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to pitch bad movies and share bad. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is the Good luck! Tide goes in, tide goes out. Never miss communication. It's over 9,000! My name is Foxy. The balls are in there. Hello everybody, welcome to Nerd to Know Basis. My name is Daryl Connor. this is Phoenix 92.5 FM, nerdtoknowmedia.com and welcome to the show. This week we have a change to our regularly scheduled programming and we're going to bring you two of the best shows, or two of my personal picks, from uh, the Nerd to Know Media archives. So instead of having a normal show when we don't get to record one or whatever, we're going to bring you stuff from our back catalogue of shows. We have... Hours of shows. I think there's something like over 300 shows or something like that that we have over nerdtoknowmedia.com. So, and they're all free. So, if this is your first time checking this out, please go over to nerdtoknowmedia.com where you'll be able to get all these shows for absolutely zero. No money. It's all there. There's also on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, all that kind of good stuff there as well. So, please do enjoy the show. And again, if this is your first time checking this out, please do spread the word of the show, Nerd to Know Basis, here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. And of course, NerdToKnowMedia.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Doing It For The Exposure, the show that reports all of the very important things. I'm your host, Mannequin Blue, and today's special guest is journalist, graphic designer, and performer, Melissa Carton. Hi. Hi, how's it going? I wasn't sure if my sound was working there. We got a very enthusiastic hello. (laughs) (laughs) So how are you doing? pretty good not much going on lockdown and everything yeah I think I think that's kind of a running theme like this show has been running for about six months probably longer at this point I think we started like last May and every single episode starts with ah you know lockdown (laughs) 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 will it ever end I don't know I think we're we're just in limbo for the next 20 years or so I know. I, w- I want it to be, you know, at least open up a bit for the summer so we could see people. Do yeah. <laughs> see the sunshine, you know, not from a window. <laughs> so you're you're quite a diverse person in that you do journalism and graphic design and performance and all of that. So do you want to kind of jump into, you can start wherever you want, because I know that's that's a lot of very diverse points. But yeah, if you want to tell us just a little bit about what you do and how you got into it. Well, my main job is as a journalist, I've been writing for Her.E for the past three years and I wrote for other websites before that. As far as the kind of more performance and the things, I started doing that 
back when I was a teenager. I started in Dublin Youth Theatre and then got some parts with Dublin Fringe Festival through that and then ended up expanding to some small bits in film and TV and music videos down the line. The graphic design aspect came when I went to film college and I ended up taking a liking to creating graphics and stuff and I've done some for musicians over the last couple of years and last year in lockdown I did the album cover for a musician friend and you know that's out in the world now and it's kind of weird like seeing an album cover that I designed. Yeah that's really cool though. Yeah no it was brilliant. So, so which album is this then, you know, if people want to look it up? It's Irish trad musician called Donal O'Connor. There's a few different ones, but I'm pretty sure his website is the only donaloconnor.ie, but it's called Black and Blue. And like, if you're someone who likes music, that's sort of along the lines of James Taylor or anything like that. It's very that kind of vibe. Oh, very cool. I'm totally not just looking for it and having a sneak <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I do this. I stalk all my guests. <laughs> oh, no, but that's really, really cool. So would you say then that the performance kind of came first and then the graphic design was something you fell in love with or kind of what was the order of that? Yeah, the performance definitely came first. I started doing kind of singing and things back when I was in primary school. I was in a competitive choir and then in secondary school was in musicals and things. And then through Dublin Youth Theatre realised actually this is something I might kind of like to pursue as a career. I, I don't know if I'd recommend it to everyone. It's like I think there should be more funding for the arts and it should be a more viable career but yeah I think it was like 10 years or so I was going on auditions and there was a couple of years where I was consistently getting roles and I kind of thought oh this is it things are going to kick off and then they just didn't. <laughs> And then COVID happened. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because even last year, last January, February, I was auditioning for things. I was also supposed to be writing a show for a theatre festival. And then COVID happened. So all of that was cancelled. Yeah. And it's it's kind of one of those things where like arts and performance and all that kind of thing, it was always fairly hit and miss anyway. You know, like you said, it, it's hard to really make a living at it. And then when the ball gets rolling, sometimes it can stop halfway through or, you know, whatever it is. And then so for everyone who was kind of working before lockdown hit, we were already kind of struggling and then lockdown hit and it was gone. Yeah, no, I've seen it happen to so many people. And I used to work at a lot of burlesque and cabaret shows. And like, I've seen people attempt to kind of put them online now. So they're still making some kind of revenue, but it's so hard. And anyone who used to work at music festivals or anything like that, all their work has been gone. Yeah, yeah. And the whole thing about it as well is that this is something that I've noticed people saying is that when it started, we were told, oh, it's just going to be two weeks. And I think we were past the one year anniversary of two weeks at this point. Yeah, I think so. Because I think someone in my job shared the last day they were in the office. And that, yeah, that was like last week or something. So yeah, Yeah. because Paddy's Day was cancelled last year as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Because I remember a lot of people were very upset about that. And we were like, well, look, if it's only two weeks, then it helps. (laughs) But, you know, here we are still not through to the other side of that. But on a happier note, let's let's talk a bit more about you and less about sad, depressing things. So yeah, you do a lot of journalism as well. How did you kind of get started into that? 
Well, I always enjoyed writing. I was just one of those kids who entered every kind of writing competition. And it was kind of happened by accident through acting. I realized I liked creating the shows and like creating characters. And I wrote a couple of shows for Dublin Youth Theatre. And then it was kind of on the back burner for a while. I was just concentrating on performing. But then uh, there was a friend of mine, Sarah Malouli. He's the bearded Irishman on Instagram. And he was working for an online music and fashion website. And they needed someone who was working in fashion, which I was at the time, to kind of be a contributor and do like a column with them. And then I ended up getting a job with them as their deputy fashion editor. And it was through that that the ball started rolling. And I went from that website to chunk.ie to goss.ie and then up to her.ie that I'm working with now. All right. So you've been kind of, you've been doing this for a good while. You've been, I suppose, through the journalism ages. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking now, maybe eight years or something. All right. That's really cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, And so that would be more of a regular gig as well. Yeah. And it's really changed over the years. Like I started, like I said, in fashion and then with Chunk Daddy, I was actually writing the weird and supernatural stuff. My first series with them was like creepy Christmas traditions, which was like Krampus and like the Yule lads and stuff like that. And just kind of weird, wacky stories and anything that was like true crime or Irish traditions like banshees and stuff. Mm -hmm. And now I'm writing kind of everything. It's a mix of things because like I I still write true crime pieces, but they're for her because I was talking to... Think now. I was tra- I was interviewed recently about one of the true crime pieces, but uh, yeah, it's a mix of things. It's been a journey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes sense because you're already such a diverse person that it would make sense that you're kind of writing a bit about everything. Yeah, and like it's one of the things I really enjoy with the job I'm doing now is that I'm not kind of pigeonholed into writing one type of thing. We do like news pieces, we do entertainment, we do a bit of fashion as well. We do opinion pieces I did one there during two weeks ago about being a woman that has ADHD because at a lot of times if you're neurodiverse as a woman you're less likely to get diagnosed and I wasn't diagnosed until I was in my 20s so I think it was like important topic to talk about so I did a piece on my experience with it. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm with you there 100%. Like it is so important. And it's great that you're using your, you know, your way of expressing yourself to kind of put that out there as well. And maybe it'll help someone you don't even know. Yeah, you never do know. Because I think articles, like even going back to reading teen magazines, and you see an interview with someone that you looked up to, and you're like, oh, actually, they have that same kind of insecurity, or they have that same thing that I have. Oh, you know, it's just kind of that feeling of not feeling like you're on your own yeah exactly it's kind of a solidarity thing but it's I think in a sense it kind of validates your feelings as well you know because a lot of the time you go well is it just me who feels this way am I being silly and then you see no other people actually relate and so it kind of helps you come to terms as well yeah absolutely and you know it's just kind of a thing growing up and not knowing that I had ADHD or anything like that you know I always felt awkward I always felt oh there's something wrong with me and that's why no one wants to be friends with me that's why I get bullied in school and then one of the things with performing when I joined Dublin New Theatre 
I found I very easily made friends and people were very accepting me. They liked me. They wanted to talk to me. And that was when I kind of went, oh, hang on. Maybe there's nothing actually wrong with me. Maybe it's just these other people. The problem was with them. And then when I started college, one of my lectures noticed that I was having trouble focusing and I had a lot of anxiety and panic attacks. And that was when I went and got officially diagnosed. Wow, yeah. It's it's amazing that the support you can get from creatives and other people who are not even necessarily going through something similar, but maybe they just, they know the signs and they can see it and, you know, they can kind of point you in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes like that, if it's not like with everyone, because I don't want to say like everyone that's like on the spectrum or has something neurodiverse as like a manic pixie dream girl but a lot of people you know they have interests that they're very passionate about and they talk about them a lot and maybe they do dress quirky and stuff I know I do and when you're around other artistic people they're kind of the same so even like that if they're not neurodiverse they still have similar interests and they're as passionate as with their things so they they just accept that you talk in a really passionate way and constantly want to talk about your interests yeah yeah and it, it is one of the things that I find great about kind of the creative scene especially in Ireland like obviously in other places too but especially in Ireland it's very very accepting and supportive and social and it's kind of it's almost like a big family yeah like that's so small and you, you, you meet one person from one group and it turns out that you know because I was at Body and Soul there what was it 2019 and there was Katrina from Body Paint Dublin and I went up and I was chatting to her and one of my friends who was with me came over to see who, who I was talking to and were like oh hi Katrina because they went to college with her yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know everyone just knows everyone it's such a small island <laughs> But yeah, no, t- totally. I mean, it's the same with like anyone you meet. I mean, we get people on the show who they'll message in and they'll say, hey, I was listening to my friend's episode. And, <laughs> and then you're chatting to them and then you realize they know six other people that you know. And it's, it's a whole thing. Yeah, it doesn't matter where you go. I was on a film set for a film called Glassland a couple of, no, it was a good few years ago now. I think it was 2014. And I was just standing there in the costume department. One of the girls that worked in the costume department just walked up to me and she goes, oh, I know you. You have family in Boyle in Roscommon. And then she just kept walking and I never saw her again. I was like, how did she know that? How does she know me? (laughs) You're like, wait, come back. I need more information. (laughs) The cryptic lady who knew about your family and then just disappeared into the night. (laughs) Never saw her again. Oh, that's kind of creepy, actually. <laughs> oh, it's going to end up on a true crime po- podcast somewhere, I think. <laughs> no, no, happy thoughts. <laughs> but, but yeah, so you, you've kind of, you've been on both sides of it. You know, you've got the, the regular writing gig, but you've also been on the performance side where you're kind of scrounging for work and that kind of thing. And how do you find comparing the two? Oh, it's different because they're two different passions but yeah when you have the regular gig it's so different just security wise like knowing I can buy groceries I can pay my bills this month and I actually diverted away from the arts and journalism for a while I went back to college and I did the medical sciences and I worked in a medical lab for two years and that was great and I had the well-paying job I had great security 
but ultimately I was kind of miserable. One part of me really loved it, but the other part was like, I'm not doing anything creative. And because of the long hours I was working, I was like, I don't even have time outside of work to do anything creative. And as kind of like going back and forth and was like, do I really give up this job just because I'm unhappy with it? Should I not be grateful? Should I not just stay here for like the wages? And then unfortunately I lost someone uh, close to me in an accident and that was kind of it I was just like look something could happen tomorrow I might not be here tomorrow and I don't want to think that the last couple of years I spent was just me being miserable so I left it and like that I was freelance for a while and scared and didn't know what I was going to be doing but ultimately I kind of found my way back to what I think I should be doing. Yeah, no, I totally get you. It's it's one of those things that like people have their basic human needs, which is obviously you need to eat, you need to sleep, uh, you need to be warm, all that kind of stuff. But what some people don't realize is that creatives, they kind of have this innate human need to actually create as well. Like if you're not expressing yourself or you're not creating something, it's kind of like you're not fulfilling that need. And then you can, like you said, you can become miserable or unhappy or whatever it is. So I think it is definitely so important to kind of find a balance between, you know, obviously it's great having a paid job and there's the security and everything you need that as well. <laughs> if you don't have the financial security, then maybe you're not filling your need to eat. But I think it is so important to find the balance between the two. Yeah. And the thing is, like, as I was saying earlier, that like there really should be more investment in things like the arts and things that are creative pursuits. They're put down a lot as just sort of things, you know, oh, people just do those as hobbies. But then when you look at lockdown, what has gotten us through lockdown entertainment has watching shows listening to music even the people like I said who've made shows online and stuff this is the things that have gotten people through so why is it seen as something not to be cared about and something not to be funded yeah absolutely and I mean even the statistics will show you that Netflix and and Disney plus and stuff they they've seen their sales and and users go right up but even things like video games you've got I think the highest selling console over the last year has been the switch yeah and we have one (laughs) yeah I mean I I bought one last year you know (laughs) I was like all right I'm getting one yeah and they're brilliant (laughs) but like people don't realize that because they see movies and they see their their TV shows and their video games and everything and they don't realize the amount of creative work that goes into it yeah like and there's so many people behind the scenes like people see the actors and they might know about the directors but there's ADs there's the the sound people there's director of photography there's all the extras and like so much funding that has to go into it for even the smallest scene to happen because you know you're paying for insurance you're you're paying for wherever you're doing it on location you're paying to have people there it's a lot of time and money yeah absolutely I mean the amount and I suppose I'm guilty of this as well is sometimes you kind of you forget that and you're watching something and you're like oh well that was terrible but like they still put a lot of work into it you know <laughs> you're still allowed to think things are terrible <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I know, like, I'm I'm the worst one for that with Nerd to Know Media because we, you know, when we do the weekly kind of all get together show and they're gushing about whatever new thing is out this week and I'm like, yeah, it was awful, don't watch it. And it's like, no, but people worked really hard on that. <laughs> and then I'm on this show being like, support the artists. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So just if people like listening to me on this show, don't listen to me on the other show. <laughs> <laughs> that's you. That's your twin. That's that's somebody else. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the evil twin that hates the arts. And <laughs> no, I'm gonna have to remind myself to be like, go easy. <laughs> Yeah, people work hard on stuff. <laughs> That's a direct quote. <laughs> I get it printed on a t-shirt. <laughs> well, I suppose I could talk a bit about how I met you, which is through something else, which was body painting. Yeah. Which happened, well, the first time I was ever body painted, oh God, it was about 10 years ago. But then there was like a huge gap between the next time I was and it was really mainly to get body confidence back for me like I had done modeling before having kids and then afterwards I had photographers who had worked with me before that wanted to shoot with me again I was like oh but you know if you know I had a cesarean and my stomach's hanging over like my pants and you know I really didn't feel great in myself and there was a makeup artist who wanted just think she was competing in a show and she was like oh can I just model you'll be completely covered in like body paint no we'll see your body anyway and I was like yeah okay if it will help you out and after doing that like I was in I think it was the RDS or something and I was just in body paint and pants and I was just like I was walking around this room with hundreds of people not bothered by the fact that I was just in body paint and pants I was like oh okay and then I, I actually yeah I ended up doing it at the lighthouse cinema for the launch of one of the Star Trek movies then it was Into Darkness yeah and I was painted into the Starfleet uniforms and I think it was one of the morning programs for RTE I was like this is going out in the morning <laughs> I'm not wearing any clothes. <laughs> this should be an this should be an after nine o'clock in the evening kind of thing. But but then yeah, I ended up working with people like I started working with yourself and Shauna and other people up at the camera club, and it just made such a difference. And I also have this like incredible portfolio of photos. Like when I upload onto social media, people are just like, "Is that you? That doesn't look like you. Like what is this?" And, like especially with some of the really crazy ones like there was the all purple one for the mermaid shoot and then there was one where I was like having like an orange design painted all over me like there's been some really wild ones but they look amazing and then there's been the body paint shows even the virtual one that we still did last year I think it was August or September and we were up in the studio filming there because we couldn't actually go to Austria to take part. We we're just like live streaming ourselves, getting body painted. <laughs> but that's that's great though. Like I, like you said, with the whole body confidence thing, I'd have to agree a hundred percent because like I started out as a body painter. And then I kind of fell into the modeling side by accident. And that was more because I was usually at events where we'd be short of models or something and I'd have to jump in and it really does give you confidence like a hundred percent yeah and oh like it, you, it's hard to even describe it to people who haven't had it done because I can totally accept people going and going oh no I couldn't stand there in the nip and have someone paint me but you really feel like you're clothed you feel like there's stuff on you you don't feel like 
like you're naked at all yeah you you feel like you're wearing like the best outfit you've ever worn in your life and it just gives you such confidence and you're like strutting around being like I am amazing yeah and like I've gotten to meet people like I said like yourself that like I, I've gotten to know really well and then like with Shauna I we work together because I was supposed to write something for the Bram Stoker Festival 2020 but that couldn't happen because no live events were going on but she ended up making over myself my husband and two kids into vampires with like crazy prosthetics and stuff and contacts that she like got and we were on billboards all over Dublin and it ended up on Ireland AM as well it was just like crazy I think I saw those actually it was really cool I was like oh look at the little vampire kids so cute <laughs> yeah we were going to kind of for like an 80s early 90s vampires kind of a like, lost boys vibe yeah <laughs> <laughs> I definitely got that from it. I was like it's really lost boys <laughs> uh, that was like so much fun I'd like think Shada was there like in my kitchen trying to do it all on her sense oh wild times but like it was incredible to be able to do that and support her with like her makeup art and also be able to promote her and be like hey that's your stuff on a billboard (laughs) yeah no sean is great we actually we had her on the on a previous episode and she created a body paint look just for us kind of thing as well and we shared it on social media like she's really lovely yeah and like she does so much as well like she does the body painting and then she makes stuff and then she does nails and she she just does everything Uh, yeah I think she she did that actually she did a body paint on herself but then she also made the headpiece and then she had the big nails as well and I was like that is so much effort to put in like fair play to her she's really really good she's incredible like the people I've met doing creative pursuits is just 10 out of 10 would recommend them to a friend but like even a couple of years ago I I kind of have a thing where I apply for things even if they terrify me because I just like nah let's try something new this year (laughs) and a couple of years ago I applied to go to like sort of like a music retreat with Girls Rock Dublin who are like a great organization that help young women get into music and they brought me along with them to Berlin and they also brought Alice my little girl who was I think she was 10 months old at the time and this was EU funded so we got sent for free our like cabin that we were staying in because it was kind of like in like the Phoenix Park but there was like little cabins you could like live in there and camping and that was paid for there was a vegan chef there who like made meals for us it was like crazy amazing and there was all these different young women from all across Europe and we got together and we created music and we got to do a gig in Berlin and I made like so many amazing friends through that it was a once in a lifetime experience and it was lovely to do with Alice as well she won't remember it but like I remember bringing her and like even like I still get messages from people and they're just like how is Alice like they're not interested in me they're like messaging like from Germany and Iceland and Poland they're like how's Alice that is so good like I actually I do I I I do see your post scope with your kids and you know you have your son who's like an actor and then you've got your little girl who's who was like an international rock star at 10 months old and I'm just like these kids are so cool (laughs) like I feel like particularly with Eric he's kind of like he doesn't even realize it because he's like his first acting gig when he was a few weeks old for Vikings 
and he's he's done a couple since and he did a couple of modeling gigs and he just thinks it's normal he thinks everyone does it and like I come home covered in body paint and he he doesn't even blink he's just like oh hey uh, what were you today <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool like those those kids are going to be so cool when they're adults they're just going to be like way up there doing all the really cool stuff yeah but I, d- I definitely think with Alice I'm going to have to like start putting money aside for NCAD because yeah. she's already like doing all the art at home drawing on herself and I can't even say don't do that because she's seen me getting body painted yeah so it's like like I can't even tell her off for it because I've done it <laughs> I learned it from watching you yep <laughs> <laughs> oh it's it's honestly it's really really nice to hear families that are kind of being creative together because you don't get a lot or at least in my experience you don't get a lot of that I know I think Shauna's family is the same they're very creative together but it's it's really nice to see. Yeah, well, my mom was similar to yourself. She used to work doing face paint and balloons. <laughs> so I'd go around to different parties or events she was going to and she'd be doing all the face painting and the balloons and, you know, she'd be making like motorbikes stuff out of balloons. And everyone was like, oh, do you like, like, no, I want to get a balloon now. I was like, nah, I can get whatever one I want when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I'm gonna, wait, I'm gonna wait till I get home and get the really good one that no one else yeah. got <laughs> oh that's amazing <laughs> I'm so jealous of your life right now <laughs> do you want my mom to send you a balloon I do and I'll send her one <laughs> <laughs> but if people want to follow along with your like crazy amazing life on social media where's the best place to do that my instagram is probably where i spend most of my time so that's melisa more like m-e-l-i-s-e-a-m-o-u-r it's kind of awkward i feel like i always pick awkward usernames <laughs> but, hey, because I needed to have sort of like an alias when I worked for Chunk.ie and I realized when I got married my name would be Melissa Moore and then when I said it really quickly it sounded like Melissa Moore and that's how that happened. Oh that's amazing. (laughs) No that's really good actually because like your name has a story behind it and it's kind of sentimental as well which is great and like it's not really that awkward to spell like it's better than you know when I when people say to me what's your social media and I'm like oh it's mannequin blue and they're like how do you spell that? So it's, it's actually good, yeah. So yeah, everybody, Melissa Moore, all one word. Follow her because she's doing really cool stuff. And even just for the kids, because the kids are the cutest yeah. and they're always doing cool stuff. They, they always get the best kids. well see because the kids obviously they're creative and they're doing cool stuff but like they have the cuteness factor as well yeah (laughs) I don't have the cuteness factor (laughs) Uh, you do you do you do you just you know you don't have the little blonde ringlets that's all no (laughs) (laughs) but yeah support Melissa and her awesome family that you'll be seeing on billboards at some point soon again because I guarantee you will be which is fine but is there anything that you would love to talk about that we didn't touch on yet? Yeah, you know, during the time that I was acting, I was also going for a lot of presenting gigs. And while I did get some, I was I was working for a festival TV for a little while. And that was promoting like local community festivals. And then I worked for Dublin Fashion Festival, presenting with them. But I felt like a lot of time you get quite pigeonholed mm-hmm. into a certain type of presenting and like I said earlier I did my degree in science and I would apply for different 
science presenting gigs never got them and there was one time in particular that was like really frustrating I'd gone along to an audition and it was for a video games presenting show and they said they wanted one man and one woman I get along to this and I'm the only woman there there was a room full of men going up to audition I'm the only woman so I was feeling pretty confident and add to that that like I play video games I've always played video games I have a good knowledge of them I was like okay like I've pretty much got this in the bag because I was the only woman I had to audition with absolutely all of the men so instead of just doing like a five minute audition slot I was there for hours doing the audition pieces with all the men that was auditioning so it took up an entire day, but I was like, you know what? It's worth it if I get the job, which I thought, hands down, I'm getting. And then afterwards, after spending the whole day auditioning, being the only woman there, they told me that they decided to go in a different direction and that there would just be a man presenting it. Oh my goodness. So they, um, they wasted a, like, it's not even that you went in and you did the five minute audition or whatever. Like you were there all day. They wasted an entire day. An entire day. I, like It's annoying enough when you kind of feel like you didn't get something because they were just like, oh, video games and science. That's kind of more for boys. It's annoying when you feel it that way and then when you go and you're the only woman up for like the one female position and then they decide to cancel the female position and on top of that waste your time it's oh it was beyond frustrating yeah I mean you have every right to feel that way oh my goodness I would be so angry no but I also just felt like it was a really missed opportunity for them because I think don't realize how many women play video games they they really don't and it's like if you want both men and women to buy this game that you're talking about because they were advertising a game of theirs as well it's just like well why wouldn't you have a woman there so that women could relate and you know you'd make double the money yeah I mean you're 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 doubling your customer base that way like why would you exclude half of your customer base this doesn't make any sense no, and it, it's just so crazy that still in this day and age, people just like that assume women don't play video games, they don't watch sci-fi, they don't read comic books, and it, it's not the case at all. And women have always done it. Like even my grandmother, the day of her wedding, because they hadn't had a lot of money herself and my granddad went down to the corner shop and bought comic books and just went home with them. <laughs> that was their reception. <laughs> that is so cute. <laughs> been in it I mean even for myself I play more video games than my partner does and I suppose I don't play as many as I used to but that's still saying something yeah and a lot of my friends because I was in like the video game society in college so a lot of them were big gamers the best one hands down and everyone in my friend group would admit it the best one that will be everyone at the video games is one of my female friends yeah it's frustrating on many levels No, it, it, it absolutely is. And I think it's kind of, thankfully, these days, it's kind of going more towards the other way where I think women are being a little bit more included in things, but it's still going very, very slowly. Yeah, and there's still the whole thing of don't announce you're a woman if you're online gaming because the harassment is real. Yeah, well, there's, see, there's the harassment and then there's also kind of the accusations that, oh, she's only saying that for attention. You know, she wants people to think she's cool. She doesn't really play video games. 
games it is a kind of a double-edged sword yeah absolutely like even with myself on twitter and online games i would just pick a super neutral username because i'm just like yeah I don't, I don't want anyone sending me either messages trying to come on to me or messages harassing me. None of that. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> no. I, I used to play online a bit. I don't really anymore for that very reason. The thing about it is you don't even have to actually be a woman playing online. If you just play a female character, people will message you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they, they don't know anything about you. Like you could be a dude playing a female character and you will still get guys trying to slide up into those DMs. And then you ask for like their Venmo or their Revolut. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you might as well make some money from it. (laughs) People listening, be nice to your artists, but also be nice to your female gamers because someday we'll be in charge and you'll be sorry. (laughs) Charge of all the videos. (laughs) Have to ask permission. No, but seriously. (laughs) We're here, we're not going away, and we're not just doing it for the attention. (laughs) Yeah, so Melissa, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and having the chats with us. Yeah, same with you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's been great. And again, anyone at home listening, check out Melissa's Instagram and support her and read all her articles on her.ie as well because she's doing some great work for them, which is brilliant, and we want to keep that going. Yep. so if you enjoyed this episode of doing it for the exposure and would like to hear more in the future make sure to follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at d-i-f-t-e podcast you can also check out our stream on nerdtoknowmedia.com we stream bi-weekly on spotify soundcloud and youtube thank you so much for listening Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Game Corner. As always, my name is Kino Calcorn and I actually have two friends with me this week, which I think is a first for The Game Corner as far as interviewing two people at the same time. Uh, We have Maeve Reed from episode 9 of The Game Corner here to talk about adventures from Pelennor and a new friend, Connor Hurst, who is also from the same Dungeons & Dragons group. Guys, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Kian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. I've been really excited to have you back for ages and ages. I just assumed that you were very busy with back to college stuff and all that. Yeah, I've been a lot. I've had a lot going on, but I really enjoyed last time, so I'm glad to be back. Excellent. And how are you doing today, Connor? I'm doing pretty well. I'm uh, excited to take part. So. Excellent. Uh, so before we get into kind of the roots of the D&D stuff, when we started up this show, it was kind of a way to reach out to people during the lockdown with all the craziness that's happening in the world. Uh, so for the week that's in it, a lot seems to be going down. Are you guys doing okay with third level education? Is there any craziness that's going on with that? Like, I guess the main thing on my end is that... Um... I'm due to start back on Monday the 21st and obviously we're in Dublin so the whole potential lockdown is coming but at the same time uh, timetables are a bit of an issue in the sense that we are due to start back on the 21st and that is also the day that we get our timetables. It's it's a little messy. <laughs> yes, I've been talking. I've been saying it all. <clears throat> I, and yourself, have you had a similar experience then, Connor? Um, well, we've, we've been given a timetable in terms of... Um, of 
classes, but then labs will start the week after and we're sort of, we haven't been put into our lab groups yet. So we're all just like, when are we going in? When are we going in? When are we going in? <laughs> we've pulled that, we've pulled that, we've pulled that. Yeah, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I've been talking to a lot of students and I won't name the universities because that's not fair, but their timetables have been so erratic that a lot of them have their core subjects scheduled opposite each other and all this craziness. Everyone, like, I mean, everyone's stressed in general, but it seems mm. third level in particular has been hit very hard this month. Mm. Mm. And like, are you like studying from home or is this like kind of in building? Like what way, obviously things may change by the time the show is aired, but what way is it looking now? At the moment, at the moment it's looking like, like lectures and stuff will all be from home. And then at least from my course. And then obviously we need to, we, we can't really do our labs from home. So we have to go in and actually. Yeah. Because I don't exactly have sulfuric acid at home. <laughs> I was about to ask, could you imagine the complicated setup if you suddenly had to do lab work from home? Like, just create this, like, corner space with all these delicate materials and Bunsen burners and all that? Mm, I've got See, it a I'd little be... easier with mine, at least, because it's food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I would genuinely be terrified, mainly because my housemates, I wouldn't trust them near anything volatile. <laughs> Oh, you were preaching to the choir because I'm in a house of like four or five adults and a baby and a dog. I'm just the stress of trying to maintain for food or chemistry, a sterile environment would just be impossible. Like, mm. But uh, on to happier things there. We are going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons uh, and we are going to particularly talk about the Adventures from Pelinor, which is the game you guys are running. So, can I just ask, did you guys know each other before you started playing the game together? How, how did this come about? Uh, well, we met at Shurikon, and we made friends pretty quick. Uh, he invited me almost immediately to join games with him. So, Connor was originally my dungeon master, and eventually I got confident enough in playing the game myself that I wanted to run my own game. So now Connor is one of my players, and likewise, in a different game, I'm one of his. Oh, I see. So you're running kind of multiple games then? Yeah, no, I think I'm in about four or five, and I think, Connor, you're about the same. I, th I think I'm in six, and I'm running one. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, how, do you, how do you keep all this? Like, do, you, do you have different characters in each one? How do you keep that straight in your oh, head? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. when you DM, you have to keep all the NPCs clear in your head, so it sort of forces you to be able to. Oh, my goodness goodness okay i really regret not having you on the first episode uh connor because like kind of mave took us through the how you get set up and all that kind of stuff but clearly it's much more complicated than i had originally anticipated oh, yes. so i want i don't want to read we also both have very different styles so well then let's actually get into that what's a, what's a dm's style take us through that yeah so i mean some some go for the more like whimsical improv with like basically there's either a bit of prep and a load of improv or like a lot of prep and a bit of improv and then there's like the half and half but then there's also whether you're running like a political game or running one that's like very combat heavy or one that's very like role play heavy like it very much depends and even within that it's just like what themes are running throughout the game so like mm a lot of Maeve's NPCs tend to be incredibly whimsical. 
Okay, you gotta tell me what a political D and D game is. You can't just put that out there and not explain it. Um. So essentially, so for example, say you're sort of slowly gaining your reputation as adventurers, and then you start doing some work for the local lord, which sort of gets you into their good books, and you slowly start learning bits about how the political system in whatever country you're in in is like, and then it sort of snowballs from there because once. I found that once players learn how that works, they're like, oh, we can do things with this. <laughs> and that's when the terror as a DM sets in. <laughs> oh, because you, you really oh boy, need to know what have I stuff? let them in for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, then, this is what I was wondering about, because, like, how much planning do you have to do before you, like, do you build in, like, I know Maeve last time talked about how much detail she has in Pelennor World, but for each game, like you mentioned six, does an entire world and language and ecosystem have to be developed or can you, can you kind of invent it as you go along? I think it's a good idea to sort of make a, to don't make an entire world at once. Make like a continent and then populate that, but populate it as you go because otherwise you will get burnt out. Dear God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And question to both of you, has a Game Master ever burned out, and what does it look like if it does? Um, it looks like suddenly their mental health has gone down the toilet. Um, I've known myself briefly, I burned out because of just outside factors piling in on top of me during games. This was maybe in the first or second week of lockdown, I had a bit of time where I just had to stop for a bit and like throw in a one shot so that I didn't have to think about the major world building. Uh, but I've seen a couple game masters burn out in the sense that their mental health declines so horribly because they're putting everything they have into making this game and making it good enough. And they get this level of anxiety where if it isn't perfect, then they feel like they're disappointing everyone. And it's just, it's a game of people pleasing that you need to learn to step back every once in a while, go, no. Yeah this is what I can do well, and this is what I can do good. My players are enjoying themselves, and I don't need to hold myself to a godly standard to make a really good game. It's funny, because now that you mention it in that context, it kind of sounds like being a showrunner on, like, Doctor Who or Game of Thrones or something <laughs> like that. That kind of unique pressure, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. no, it's all about keeping the momentum going, and you, usually games, especially because we have nothing else to do lately, it's been weekly or fortnightly games uh and you just have to sort of keep a pace and keep on top of it it's very much a game of um building in the right places so you might have this massive amount of lore and world building you want to do but that's not going to help you when the party is about to go face a dragon and you need to like stat out the exact points and like the life health and the abilities that the dragon has for the next game I okay to go for that dragon fight <laughs> I've introduced a dragon and he's very excited it's quite fun we've done uh, the dungeons, now we need to do the dragons <laughs> okay I just love that that's your checklist have you done dungeons, have you done dragons, have you done and like yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so uh, I didn't expect that tangents to run on for so long but that's wonderful that's exactly what I'm looking for but now what I'd really like to get into is possibly an ongoing segment every couple of episodes the Adventures from Pelennor, the game that you two are in. So, take us through who is our cast of characters and the people who play them. Okay, so I am the DM, so I get to be 
every NPC and all of that. Um, alongside that, we have six players at the moment, which include Connor playing Kier, who is uh, an Eladrin wizard. Do you want to explain a bit about yourself since yeah. it's your character? So Eladrin are essentially, they're a subspecies of elf that are just closer to the primal elves, to like the original elves. But um, essentially... Here's a ball of stress. <laughs> Here is a ball of stress because he's a conjuration wizard, which means he deals with all like the different planes of existence and all that kind of stuff and teleporting. And the gates to the other planes of existence have been like have closed and it's affecting yeah. magic. And he's sort of sat there like, Argh! yeah, um, I, uh, I know Connor said earlier about the whole, you know, you introduce the characters at a low level and you let them get to know the area. I didn't do that because this is my first game. What I did was I said, hello and welcome to Pelinor. You've saved an old lady from a little pile of imps. And also, you know those portals that are a common thing in D&D worlds that allowed you to access all the other planes from the Feywild, which is like the fairy plane, yeah. to like where the gods live, to various versions of hell. Um, all of the portals are closed and it's cutting off magic. This is especially bad for Connor's character because his family lives on one of those other planes. Okay, so I'm getting like a sort of kind of stressed out Doctor Strange type vibe. Somebody just sees existence in a different way to the others. <laughs> kind of, but a little, a little more flamboyant and occasionally talks like a villain, even though he doesn't mean to. Yeah, he gets into this tone of voice and I come in and I'm like, I'm causing this with the way you speak. You just have that intonation of villainy. <laughs> I am stressed and angry, okay? <laughs> God, a dragon to be the least of your problems. Okay, who oh, yeah. are who are our other five lead characters then? Okay, so uh, we have two other guys in the party. Uh, next up we have Thaddeus, who plays an Azamar, um, wild magic sorcerer. And what that means is he is basically part celestial being and he has the capacity to sprout angelic wings. Outside of that, he also, in appearance, just looks like a unicorn vomited on him because he is entirely just made of rainbow colors. Uh, he's very <laughs> bubbly and friendly and he's just, um, he's kind of the, the friendly face of the party um, more than anything else. He's the person you wander up to and you go, hey, you seem nice, could you point me to like the local tavern and he'll be like I will direct you there I don't know where I am but I remember that place okay so to offset the occasional villainy of our first character <laughs> yeah. we have this bright unicorn who I imagine is terrible at hiding oh, a little bit yeah um. he gives off like flamboyant wholesome Texan vibes yeah he speaks in a Texan accent for the whole thing <laughs> That that is a very necessary detail. Okay, I'm oh, very yeah. I'm very hyped to hear the rest of this motley crew. Who's next? Okay, next up is uh, Arathius, who is our warlock half elf character, who is sort of the tired uncle of the party in the sense that he's a little bit older chronologically. You know, accounting for the fact that Kier's like a hundred and a bit or two hundred. Right. Um, hundred and fifty-two. 152. Uh, Arathius is the one who looks physically the oldest. He looks to be about in his 40s. Um, he has eyes that look like they're blind, but because of his warlock patron, who is the Dream Lord, which is a little bit inspired by the Sandman comics, I was but about I won't to say ask. too yeah, much yeah, about yeah. that yet. Yeah. 
Um, I've slipped in a couple things about the Dream Lord in there, but they're only just coming to fruition, so that's slight spoilers for later. Uh, so Arathius is the Dream Lord's patron, and as a result, the entire party has been plagued with extremely portentous dreams, uh, maybe three times by now over the course of the months that they've been together, uh, because I'd the like Dream Lord is trapped in the Feywild and wants to get out. Oh my goodness. I'd like to not dream, please. Yeah, elves aren't supposed to dream, so it's especially terrifying for Kier whenever he gets a dream. Oh my god, it's like, these characters bring so much baggage before you get even into the story. <laughs> especially when you have a century and a half under your belt. <laughs> is there anyone in this group who is just sort of relaxed? Thaddeus. Um, Thaddeus is the most relaxed, and after him comes probably Rega in terms of relaxation. Okay. Uh, Rega is a human ranger who has since multiclassed into Druid. Um, she is a really sweet, friendly girl who loves animals with a burning passion. Uh, but with equal passion, hates one of the main BBEGs, uh, who is also yeah. a druid lady, but does some kind of messed up stuff. So walk that uh, back to me. Whole... BBEG, sorry? Uh, big, big bad, bad evil, evil guy. guy. Thank you. Uh, okay, so, please go yeah. on. Cool, yeah. <laughs> so we have like four or five major BBEGs that are different power levels for the party to face. But anyway, with Rega, uh, she has no memory of her life up to about two weeks before she met the party, uh, because she suffered a... She finds ways to retrieve her memories. Uh, but as a result, she had a very special knife on hand that is a key to the big bad evil guy getting a step closer to what they want. And as a result of that, she was tricked into giving that knife to Ariadne, one of the evil guys. And as a result, she is hell-bent on getting vengeance on her outside of yeah, that she's a little murderous sweet and yeah she's very murdery at the moment but right but like outside of that she's very sweet and <laughs> and i know we've got two characters to go but how much of this does the player playing the character bring and how much comes from you the dm well um the player basically came to me and went because uh, this was like her first proper game, so she wanted to give me as much Leo as possible because she wasn't sure what she was getting into, which is very fun for me because I get to play with everything she doesn't remember. <laughs> so the player knows that she got caught in a storm at sea, uh, washed up on the shores of Karnak, which is one of the two starting seaside villages that the party ends up with in, in the beginning. There she met another character who we haven't spoken about yet, Cleo, and basically after that point she sporadically remembers everything until she gets a magical moonstone that stores her memories so that she doesn't continue to forget things because the way her amnesia works is that she just has extreme forgetty amnesia and it's a recurring thing that she'll wake up the next day and be like, oh, who are you? Unless she has some kind of written down or proven way of being like, ah, yes, I see that I remember you from the book where I wrote things. So Dory so, with a knife, uh, who likes animals? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, well, we managed there's, there's to... There's more than just a knife, my friend. <laughs> yeah. A knife, a bow, a couple other magical items that I've been giving them along the way. An ancient uh, scythe. 
an ancient death site with the capacity to insta-kill, but, but it recharges every hundred years and it got used on a flump, which is a little floaty thing that looks a bit like a jellyfish octopus. And I was so going to say, it doesn't I sound overly impressive. I'm yeah. so sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're one of Connor's favourite creatures. It's <laughs> wholesome. They feed oh. on positive emotions. Oh my god, so your unicorn Texan chap must have been heartbroken. Yeah, it was actually his fault that Plum was there because his wild magic does this thing where it will surge and that just causes a random effect out of a list of a hundred different possible effects and one of the effects is a number of flumps just randomly appear. Uh, this is favorite line. <laughs> my favorite line he's ever said in, in relation to that ability is turn into a sheep, kill me. <laughs> yeah. That, that specific one on the table Excellent. has happened. Well, thank you so much for what is hopefully volume one in the adventures of Pelinor. Is there anything you want to plug before we wrap? Um, um, not particularly. Well, I suppose, I mean, I was kind of fishing, but I suppose there's no Shurikon updates or anything, unfortunately. No, nothing <laughs> as of yet. It's been radio silence until college starts back up proper, and then... I'm fairly certain we're not going to be able to run Shurikon this year in February, but, you know, maybe if thing, No, we won't have time to plan it. If mm. it happens, it'll be the year on, 2022. Okay, okay. And thank you so much for giving up your time, guys. If you want to do this again and bring another of your motley crew, you are more than welcome anytime you like. Thank you. Yeah, that was great. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, thank you, Maeve. Thank you, Connor. This has been The Game Corner, and... In next week's episode, because we are planning it now, we will be discussing the big and slightly controversial Mario Bundle that has come out this week for the Switch. You can find that next Friday at the same location. Until then, I've been Keanu Calicorn. This has been Maeve and Connor. Give a virtual wave for Spotify, guys. <laughs> see you. Bye. <laughs> I will see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.